carried away and you're like, oh gosh, I gotta go preach. So welcome to Mission Church, those of y'all that are new. My name is Pastor Tom. I've been here six years. Mission Church has been around longer than that. Um, we like to teach through books of the Bible. Or we're gonna be in Romans 15 today, and I'll explain that to you in a second, but I wanted to give you a little bit of background. So Romans 15 is the chapter is a study in home. And the, the-, the theme is gonna be called Welcome Home. So I wanted to take you back in time to, to my home situation. It's, uh, it's 1983. How many of y'all, we're not, we're not even alive yet in 1983. Good gosh, young church, right? Okay, uh, how many of y'all remember 1983, amen? Thank you, okay. Okay, there was, um, so my grandmother had gone to a boarding school. My dad had gone to a boarding school. I went to a boarding school. And I, honestly, I, I got sent to the boarding school because I was getting in a lot of trouble, and that, and that was the reason. But it did change my life. I was a little white redneck kid from North Carolina, um, played sports, just lived in the country. And when I went to this boarding school, 40 countries were represented. Uh, my worldview expanded, my comprehension of politics and, and, and crime and, and just life and family just multiplied. And so it was, it was a really, really good thing for me. But as I was heading over to this boarding school, I had come from a pretty solid home life. So it wasn't like, I, there was no insecurity in me to go. Uh, and I would return home uh, on weekends, Thanksgiving. My roommate for four years was Japanese. He learned how to speak English like two months before school started. Um, it was a really good thing for me. So when I came home, it was awesome. Cookies and uh, watching TV and playing card games, doing all the things. And when I left, I missed it. So here's what I want you to chew on today before we go forward. A lot of people, that's not what home is for them. So in COVID, those of us like me, they're introvert. I have a great home. I love my wife and kids. I love the dog. I was like, sweet, this is awesome. But my counseling schedule has been filled up with people that it was not so awesome. And it was very hard and it was rough. And so what we want to do in this season is to make sure that mission becomes a spiritual place where we can say to people that are looking for a church, welcome home. And Romans 15 lays that out in a really cool way. Now, before I did that, I just wanted to enjoy this set for a second. I wanted to take you back to this time, 1983. There was no cell phones. Unless you went to Miami. If you went to Miami in 1983, there'd be a few people in Coconut Grove that would have these giant, if they fell on you, they killed you cell phones. And we all know those people weren't paying taxes. So no cell phones. Internet in 1983 was already existent, but it was these tiny strands that were set up like endpoint. Bunch of nerds in here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But there was no intranet yet. Uh, also, my family, we lived in North Carolina, we had no air conditioning. Like I did not, I was not raised with air conditioning. Some of y'all were not either. In the year 1983, uh, cornflakes, do you know how much they cost? Box of cornflakes, 1983. $1.19. Uh, blueberries were 89 cents a pint. How much are they now? Like $87 or something? <laughs> like this much, it's like seven or eight bucks. And bacon, 
holy bacon from the Lord Bacon was 99 cents a pound. I'd buy 100 pounds of that right now. Pepsi had just come out with the two liter drink. Do y'all remember when that became a thing? Like, wow, this is awesome. Now we can buy 500 grams of sugar in one deal. And there was, there was no diet drinks. There was Tab at that time. Remember Tab? Yeah. So you could just, you could taste the cancer as you drank it. A record, record number of computers were being used in the United States. You know how many computers were being used at that time? 10 million. Uh, probably a, a billion people using computers now. Um, a brand new program had just been, uh, had just been uh, brought out, Microsoft Word, 1983, which changed everything. Here's some of the shows that were uh, top uh, on CBS, Dallas. So most of y'all are like, oh, was that a show? I've never even heard that before. Is there an app I can find that? Um, another one was Dynasty. A lot of our parents watched these. And the show that I was raised with that I have fond memories of, The A-Team. I pity the fool. That was Mr. T back in his day, okay? So um, those are fond memories for me. So when I go back in my mind to what my home was like then, it was very simple. Uh, when I was in third, fourth grade, we'd go ride bikes and there was no cell phones and you'd be gone for hours. Why? Because there was more safety there. And if I got in trouble across town, the parents on that side of town would call my parents on the other side of town. There was more care and connectiveness. And, and I just, I believe as a church where we are today, so we have to realize if we're just constantly looking to protect ourselves from all the issues of the world, we're going to miss the calling to the world. And we're just going to lock ourselves down in a way that keeps people that are really looking for a safe place to be from coming into our church. So Mission Church, we're not looking for everybody to vote the same, to talk the same, to think the same. We are looking for a place where people can get to know Jesus and he's the one that changes the hearts. So let's pray. It'll be Romans 15, we'll probably cover three verses today. Let me, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. No, let's pray first, let's pray. I wanna pray, let's pray. Um, Lord, thank you for today. Thanks for the rain, we needed it. Um, thank you for just, uh, um, Father, the opportunity to, um, to ask hard questions about, are we, are we the church you want us to be? Are we um, welcoming? Are we, are we serving? Are we just going into protection mode all the time for ourselves? Um, we know how you live, Lord. We know that you live for us from scripture. That's what's recorded. And so uh, open our eyes that we might see, that we might walk after you, and that we might honor other people that are hungry for a place to call home. In your name we pray, amen. So, to build them up. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Now, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Welcome home. 
was my friend Christopher. He did a good job on that, right? Um, studied House of Shalom. Want to continue that to be a theme and a focus for us. So why is home so important from Scripture? And, and again, I do recognize the fact that a lot of y'all are first-generation positive homes. All right, some of you guys do come from hard, hard backgrounds. Here's what Scripture says, Proverbs 24. By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Prophet Isaiah says this, My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. So before we study Romans, these are the pieces or adjectives that should describe a good home. Here's where they were. Uh, a good home should be full of wisdom. All right? There should be opportunity for people to learn things they do not know. There should be also understanding, which means that it's not demanding. It may be calling us to live in a better way, but my home growing up was a little bit demanding. And I always felt like I wasn't quite doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. So um, Mary, my youngest, she's up in youth right now. She drove in with me this morning. Selena's in Houston. And it's raining. And so it was an opportunity for me to explain viscosity on the highway to my 13-year-old. And she has some questions. And my response was like, no, you don't know what you're... Just listen to me. It was a comprehension and I want her to understand things, but she needs to know that I'm understanding for her to speak. Uh, there should be knowledge, and Scripture says there should be pleasant things. Have you ever been invited to somebody's home and they say, come on in, welcome, whatever you need, but you know they don't mean it. Have you ever gone to other houses though, where people are like, yeah, come on in, and you know they mean it because they're offering you something to drink or come sit down here. What can we get you? Or we're glad you're here. A godly, a good, a welcoming home should be peaceful. It shouldn't be uh, stressful. It should have that peace. It should be a place to stay, not leave. That's a big piece for me because when we were growing up, my sister and I would say to each other, how's dad? Not a good day. I'm leaving. So a godly home, a peaceful home ought to be a place where when you get there, you don't want to leave. You want to stay, there should be security, there should be quiet, and it should be restful. So I would ask today, does this, does this personify your physical home right now? Is it a, a place of security, maybe for your kids or your spouse or for others? Is there rest there? Is there peace? If there's not, then you, know, you and I both have some work to do. So we definitely want to look at our physical homes. They're a big deal, and we'll address them in a second. But there's a parallel here of our spiritual homes, of who we are in Christ. Hear the word of God, Romans 15, 1 through 3, we'll probably get to today. Paul says this to the church in Rome. Uh, now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Strength being strong, you are obligated based on what has been given you. Now, it's definitely, it's definitely physical strength speaking about right here and spiritual strength. Um, 
when I had my knees replaced and then I popped my quad, I was completely reliant on my family and I am very type A, I'll take care of it. I am not the baby monkey guy when I get sick. I don't want you to look at me, throw some food in the corner. I will curl up and I will get better by myself. But if, even if I wanted water during that time, I had to ask for it. When I needed a meal, I had to ask for it. And then I had to start using a old person walker for a while. That was demeaning. And then crutches. And I was completely reliant on my family who in that regard was stronger than me. Where you are strong, church, others are weak. And if your focus is just on protecting yourself and bringing more security and being, bring, being more insular, then you're going to miss the needs of others. How do you know you're strong? Ask what the Lord has given you. Maybe we need to do an inventory today or this week and say, Lord, what are, what are the things you've given me? You've given me a house. You've given me clothing for my back. You've given me food. You've given me opportunity to care and to serve. What, what things have you given me? And how can I share my strength with others? How do you, how do you know you're weak? Well, when there's one of the conversations I had earlier this morning, one of our partners this young lady works so hard in all the things she does and she's felt just her energy drop recently. And she's like, Pastor Tom, I just don't feel like working out. I don't feel like working. I don't feel like doing all these things. And I know I should. And all I had for her in that moment was to say, young lady, you can rest. She's like, but you don't understand. I do understand. You can rest. Sometimes the weakness is the pain, is the guilt, is the frustration that you and your perception are not doing all the things that everyone else is doing. And you need truly confident, strong people in those moments to say, it is okay for you to have a day off. It is okay for you not to get up in the morning and run five miles. It is okay. And she's like, well, but I'm not eating the best food right now. It's okay to feast sometimes. It's okay. There's an opportunity for those that are stronger to serve those that are weaker and vice versa. Now, the prophet Isaiah, here's what he says in chapter 40 of his book. And remember, he was the one that said, uh, here am I, Lord, send me, right? What, what, was, what did God send him to do? Fail. Yeah, so you and I would say right now as believers, um, do we, do we want to respond to God? Do we want to, to, to answer him and, and go where God has called us to go? Yes, all of us would say. But then if I were to say, and his calling upon you is to fail miserably, is to miss it, be made fun of, to be lied to, to suffer. Maybe some of us would recant that. Now, that prophet, the one that experienced a lot of failure, but obeyed, here's what he says. And this is a favorite verse for many of us. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So the question right at the beginning of this is, are you waiting? How much do you wait, church? I I'm poor at it. Here I am preparing this sermon to preach and I wake up at 4 a.m. this morning. I don't sleep that much on Saturday night. 
and I have two or three things I'm working through in my mind and I immediately, I could feel myself running ahead of the Lord and deciding all the answers and all it did was pop my anxiety up to, and I don't, I don't really struggle with anxiety that much. Well, if this happens, I need to do that. Well, if I, yeah, I'll need to do this, I need to do that. And I was not waiting on the Lord. Scripture says those wait on the Lord, that's where there is a renewal in strength. And so in the moment as I was working through these problems, where I thought I was, I was really just embracing weakness more and more. The Lord just stopped me for a second. Do not, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition and thanksgiving. Prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. So Lord, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna continue to bring this need to you. And now I'm gonna thank you for everything I can think of in my life that is good. I'm just gonna worship you with thanks right now. And I could feel my heart slow down. And then I felt myself go back to sleep. And really, I, I felt like I was, I woke up more renewed. This is, we all are dealing with this constantly. So in a healthy church environment, a, a, par, a process of being strong is allowing others to know that sometimes you're weak too. It's not the whole face of we're supposed to be strong all the time. Sometimes you're not. And it's okay in Christ to say, Lord, I really need to be renewed right now. And so God's response to you and me is, okay, then just be still for a minute. No, God, you need to give me something to do. Give me an active plan. Like, give me three things to do, Lord. Do some, make it hard, because I know if, if it's really hard, then I'll earn your favor. Like, these are the things we do. And the Lord's like, no, I'm just calling you to take a nap. Oh, but Lord, I had a nap last month. I'm probably fine. I shouldn't have another one of those. No, I'm just calling you to be still. When we wait, when we rest, coming into the house of Shalom, we're renewed in strength. So I was driving back from the valley yesterday. I spent four days down there with some friends and church leaders. The best food in the world is on the border, but it will kill you, okay? Let's just be honest about that. It is deadly. And I just, man, the food was great. I had three and a half hours drive back. I thought, I'm gonna listen to this podcast and that podcast. And the Lord uh, was very clearly just calling me into a little house of shalom. So I turned on some simple worship music. I had no place to be, easily could have made more calls. And that's what I wanted to do. But man, I just listened to some praise music, just worship the Lord. And I could feel my blood pressure go down. I could feel just the Lord be glorified. And when we are peaceful church, when we are in the house of Shalom, you make very different decisions. And this is where we're called to be. Now, um, it says right here, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. There's a couple birds that I've always been impressed with that I'm, it, they're actually a little scary to me. Like I'm not afraid of a pigeon or a sparrow. I can take them. But have you ever, have you ever seen an American eagle up close? They look at you different. They look at you like they're a dinosaur and they potentially are thinking about taking you out. Uh, big, big uh, horned owls do that too. Don't we have, there's a specific type of owl we have in Texas. So two, two or three years ago, I'm outside with Lola and it's at night and I look up and these two shiny eyes are on my roof and they were glowing and they, 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 they moved in a motion that I thought 
is that a giant snake on the top of my house? Like, I didn't know what it was. And then it came out in the light a little bit more, and it was this big owl. And the owl looked at me and then looked at Lola, and I thought, that owl's trying to figure out if it can take my dog somewhere. And then it just looked at me again, and then it flew over the yard, and it was gone. Um, Powerful birds... They can fly at a space where you and I cannot fly out. So the Lord's like, listen, I'll give you strength and you'll mount up like eagles in the sky. What are eagles able to do? Have a complete perspective change and see things, see the the biggest problems, just a tiny little speck. So when issues and problems are right here, sometimes they seem insurmountable. But at a rising up above these problems, way easier to come up with solutions. Now, here's where the weariness comes from. It comes from expended efforts in the wrong direction. And usually the wrong direction are couched under good things. Well, if I just, uh, you know, I just want to watch this show and I've had a long week and I'm just going to stay up later to watch this show. It's not a bad show, but do you really need to stay up another hour and a half, two hours sometimes? Well, if I just need to work a little bit more, like if I, you know, I'm working about 50 hours a week right now, and I know that people work more than that, if I can kick it up to 60, then I can really get more done. Um, not, not necessarily weariness. And some of y'all understand weariness right now. It comes from expended efforts in the wrong direction. I, honestly, I think it's an opportunity for all of us to say, Man, I really want more strength. How can I learn how to rest in the Lord more so that I can mount up with wings like eagles? How can I run and not be weary? We move in the direction of Christ's calling, not our instinct. Verse two, Paul says this in Romans. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. Um, Really in the Greek is each one of us is to please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. Okay, Uh, they're good, not our good. Now, if I'm being honest with you, I've got great neighbors and I know that when I do something for them, they're gonna wanna do something for me. We uh, brought back a giant batana from the valley. Do y'all know what a, how many of y'all know what a batana is? All my valley people in the house, okay. It's, It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Amen, like it's a giant plate of food and cheese and chips and jalapenos, just heavenly things. We brought back a huge one. And one of my friends, Latin American across the street, so I'm talking to Jay outside. My dude, we just brought back a batana. Do you want some of it? He said, yeah. So I went and got him two plates and I brought them to him as we're talking. Um, we have a relationship like this. What the Lord is saying right here is, listen, I want you to care for your neighbor and not expect anything back in return. The purest type of care. Galatians 6.10, Paul says this to this legalistic church in Galatia. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So if, if if we are gearing up for everything that's to come for Mission Church here in San Antonio and in our neighborhoods. This is crucial and key right here. And I was raised in a home where my father was a pastor. So there was my dad, my mom, me and my sister. And my dad would minister to here. You see what I'm doing? But I was here. I got, I got bypassed. 
And a lot of the things were for the people in the church. We need to do this for the church. We need to do this for these people. And it's the quickest way for we as Christ followers who have kids, how to get your kids to hate the church if you were loving others more than them. Your family is your first priority. And it's not like you just come with me and, you know, you need to do this because I'm doing this. No, the kids, your kids need to know, my kids need to know that they are way more important to me than you are to me. And you're important to me. I mean, you're, you're, my, you're my life work secondarily. My kids are primarily. So if my kids have a sporting event or a meeting or whatever, and I have something scheduled, I'm just telling you right now, I will cancel that meeting and I will go to my kids' deal. And I will also tell them, when I get there later, we're talking at dinner. Hey, I just want you to know, I did have a meeting at two, but I canceled it because you're more important than that meeting. See, because you can say in your mind, well, of course my kids are more important than our meetings, but what are they experiencing? What is your, your spouse experiencing right now? Honey, I love you, but I'm gonna be gone for 10 days in a row. I love you, but I'm gonna get up before you wake up and I'm gonna come home so exhausted. I'm not gonna wanna talk. I've talked all day with other people. You're secondary. We, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are the household of faith. So it's our families. And then who is it secondarily? Everybody that's here, the church. So what a lot of big churches will say under the guise they want everybody to come to Jesus is they're always focused outwardly so more people can come. But what scripture says is that we should be focused more inwardly. We should care. And what we're doing when we're caring for one another is we're providing a healthy place so when people do come, we have a warm and inviting home for them. We don't have some cold building where we come in once a week. We have a community where we live all the time. Your focus, my focus, and on others, not ourselves. This definitely starts with your family and it's extended to your neighbors and to your work. Um, mission accomplished for me at the end of my life is if my kids love the church. Now, they're believers. They're, they're little Christians, all right? They got issues just like your kids do, my kids do. But I want them, when they think about Mission Church in the future, to not roll their eyes and go, yeah, for, that was a pain. Dad was always gone. Mom was always stressed. They had all these issues and problems because, you know, they're serving the Lord. What they're really saying is they were serving everybody but us. You want your kids and whatever you're called to do and whatever I'm called to do to say, my mom and dad put us first. And that doesn't mean church necessarily make more money or be gone more. Sometimes it means you teach them how to rest. You watch a movie, you go throw the football, whatever. Verse three, this will be the last verse we cover today. Here's what Paul says. Why we're called to love others, how we're called to serve others. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Uh, let, me let me break that down for you. If somebody were to come to me and say, hey, PT, we're, I enjoy the church, but I really don't like one of your kids. Or I don't like your wife. It would get real awkward real quick because... My response would be then that I don't care for you because my family is primary first and 
foremost. So if you have an issue with one of my family members, you have an issue with me. Also, I, I feel that way about a lot of you guys too. If somebody were to say something to me about you, I respond the same way, okay? This is what family does. So what Paul is saying to the power of God right here, Jesus is saying, listen, um, when I was on this earth, I was lied to, I suffered, I was shamed, I was hurt, I was disregarded. And if you're gonna live for me, all those things are gonna happen to you. But understand when they happen to you, I receive it. It hurts me when you're hurt. It hurts me when you're disregarded. It hurts me when you're talked about, but I'm still calling you to suffer with me. If you ever been called names, you ever been made fun of, Jesus gets you. He feels insulted when you are. Go to Isaiah one more time and, and we'll call it a day. Isaiah 41.10. And, and again, here's what Isaiah says. And Isaiah struggled with fear. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, listen, all of us that go to church a lot, we hear that verse like, yeah, it's a good verse. But man, it's hard to believe that verse sometimes. Fear not, I'm full of fear. But fear not, well, how, how am I gonna do that? Well, because God is with you, with me. Do not be dismayed. I'm your God. The, the only way we're going to walk in this is if we are talking about this all day. If we are talking to the Lord all day, if we are reinvigorating ourselves in the knowledge that God loves you and he cares for you. This is the thing that softens the heart, keeps us in that place. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Now, the last little part, I'll give you a visual. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Um, it, when my kids were little, we go to the pool a lot because just, you know, most of you parents know this. Your kids get worn out in the pool and they go to bed. Amen. Praise God. They're not running around after they swim all day. They go to sleep very quickly. And so do you. So we'd swim all the time. We go swimming all the time. And the girls would, they learn how to swim at an early age. And when they were little, emphasis on little, they would ball up and I would throw them. Anybody throw their kids in the pool? You pretty much throw a little kid almost across the pool or out of the pool if you were inclined to do it. So you throw them and they swim back. Ha, ha, do it again, do it again. And we, I did that 10,000 times. And then they got bigger. And then, you know, they're 12 or 13, like, dad, throw me. I'm like, I can't, honey. I'll throw my shoulder out. <laughs> I think Chris Curiel, one time we were swimming together. I'm like, go ask Pastor Chris. He's stronger than I am. So after a while, you can't do it. Now, think about also when kids are little and they grab their dad's or their mom's hands, right? And what can you do when you're little? Pull them up and grab them. You can't do that as they get older, right? Because again, they've gotten to the size where you can't do that. God says right here, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He is never incapable of not lifting you up in times of need. He is never, he doesn't look at any situation you're in and you're like, oh, it's just too much. Oh, see, I, thought we, I didn't know you were gonna do that. That situation is too much. He's like, no, listen, I'm gonna strengthen you. I'm gonna empower you. 
And my hand right here is for you. So in moments of dismay and, and fear and insecurities, if you are continuing to try to be the answer for that, the answer you get will continue to be the wrong one. As believers, what we're trying to do is establish a church that worships Christ. And as other people come in, we tell them, this, listen, we're going to bring you to the one whose righteous right hand is big enough for any situation you're in. We don't, we don't have a self-empowerment class. We have a gospel class. And we have gospel community. And we have gospel care. Your elders and myself, uh, most of us, we spent, and I had to leave early to go to a function, but um, and a bunch of brothers are here right now. We deep dove into how to study the Bible better this past week. You know why? Not for our own personal enrichment, though that does happen. We want to make sure that we're teaching and leading in a gospel narrative, Old Testament and New Testament. Why? Because we're called to equip you. Why? Because we're called to send you. Why? Because that's what the church looks like. And we can't do those things if this is not a welcome place for people. Mission Church needs to be not only a, a place of physical care, but we need to be a place of spiritual care too, that people can come in and, and, um, and be greeted and really be, be called to something greater than themselves. About a month ago, a new guy was here. He came down afterwards and he said, um, I don't want to offend anybody right now. I just want to tell you what happened. He said, uh, really enjoyed service today. And I said, bro, that's so good to hear. He said, that blanking sermon was awesome. And you're a blanking awesome dude. And this church is blanking awesome. And he just <laughs> was super salty. And, and I just thought, well, that's blanking awesome. Like, I, I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> But it wasn't in me to go, hey, hey, we don't, we don't talk that way here. Because he had just come from outside the door. So he's coming into our house. And we'll, you know, God's righteous right hand will grab him and take him someplace. But our call is just to hand him a cookie, give him some milk, and say, we're so glad you're here, buddy. Uh, come learn with us. Come grow with us in Christ. If we're going to do church the right way, and I do believe we're trying to do that. It gets very awkward and very weird and very hard, okay? Because through those doors, God's people will come. And, and some satanic personalities will come too. It gets mixed in. And so if we are connected in the gospel, if we are trusting Jesus, if we're, our hand is out grabbing the right, righteous right hand of God, then we're going to navigate those things together. We are going to watch each other's back. We are going to protect one another. I feel very protective of all the kids we have uh, in, our, in our church. I feel very protective of you adults, of you married people that are working your stuff out, of you singles that are working your things out in our community. We do this together. But there's only one way to do it, and that's not going to be our way. So uh, in, in summary, the home matters. Your physical home matters. There may need to be some changes that you make there. Uh, we have no fingers pointed at you. If you need help, uh, come see us. My counseling schedule has been full because there is just trauma and issue that we've all experienced. All right, we want to help in any way we can. Your spiritual home matters. Okay, it matters. We want to bring people into that space. 
Um, some people have no home, and we want to be a part of providing that home. The church's responsibility is to provide a spiritual home. Our King Jesus focused on others. Church, you and I are called to be like Jesus. Don't just know of Jesus. It's time for us to follow him and how he lived. Amen? Let's pray. We'll call it a day. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your, your house of shalom. It's a, it's a simple calm. It's a simple idea, Lord. It's a simple uh, process, but it's, we make, I make it complex. I come up with 10 other things I need to do instead of just rest in you and be still and listen and wait on you because that's where your strength comes from. Uh, Lord, we want to be a welcoming house of shalom to those that are looking for a church, to those that need help. We also want to be a strong place where people can come for security and for peace. So Lord, open our eyes that we might see you. We might respond to you for the glory of your name. Your name we pray, King Jesus. Amen. Church, when you're ready, you can come to the center aisle, come down front, uh, receive.